North-South Connection podcast listeners. It is Tim and Marcus back once again. Viewer's choice, doing the work that you don't have to. Like your boy, Cody. That's right. We're always doing the work. We're going to outwork everyone like Christian Cage and so on and so forth. It is 12.49 a.m., a marathon of, of AEW Action Live from the T-Mobile Arena in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. I hear it's actually beautiful in Las Vegas this time of year. I wouldn't know. I've never been. I, I don't know either. But uh, we just literally finished watching AEW Double or Nothing. Um, my assumption is that most of you all have as well. But if you haven't, what we do here is we tell you what we feel is must-watch, what you should absolutely avoid, and what is the who is the MVP of the night. Uh, Marcus, as usual, can you give us a rundown of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the thirteen matches that we witnessed uh, tonight on? Bleacher Report. Well, uh, I would just quickly remind everybody that just because a match gets a grade or a, a consensus pick of a skip does not mean that it was bad necessarily. It's just if you're looking to save some time, it's something that you could go without seeing, in our opinion. That being said, I will double or meet you. <laughs> oh no at 14 matches oh that's right we have one extra match uh, thanks to the buy-in available on YouTube and Bleacher Report even though that got dicey yeah. uh, as Hookhausen Hook and Danhausen defeated Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling kicking off the pay-per-view portion of the broadcast spoiler alert here Wardlow defeats MJF the Hardy Boys defeat the Young Bucks. Jay Cargill retains the AEW TBS Championship by defeating Anna Jay. In six-man tag team action, the House of Black defeats the Death Triangle. Adam Cole defeats Samoa Tat. I mean Samoa Joe to become the inaugural Men's Owen Hart Foundation Tournament uh, winner. Doctor Britt Baker does so on the female side by defeating Ruby Soho. Next up is American top team of Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and the debuting Page Van Zant, defeating Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conte. Kyle O'Reilly defeats Darby Allen by pinfall. Thunder Rosa retains the AEW Women's World Championship by defeating Serena Deeb. In the first ever Anarchy in the Arena match, the Jericho Appreciation Society defeats the Blackpool Combat Club. Eddie Kingston, Hala, Santana, and Ortiz. A three-way tag team match sees Jurassic Express retain the AW World Tag Team titles by defeating Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, and Team Taz of Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Stocks. And in our main event of the evening, we have a new AW World Champion as CM Punk defeats Hangman Adam Page. Tim. If uh, you're still with me, I am absolutely here. What is the first thing that you would recommend for our listeners to go out of their way to watch? I'm going to break traditional convention of what we do here. My first must watch 
is everything from the timestamp that the Boston Celtics closed out Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Mm. Which means Anarchy in the Arena, the Triple Threat Tag Team Match, and the main event. Literally, the best three matches on the card, I would say, that had the most... uh, And by best... I am also including the the storytelling leading up to it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of other matches. I would say there's at least two other matches that are better than Punk and Page. But with the storytelling going into it, it makes the match must-see. Anarchy in the Arena was amazing. Um, I, in, in certain people will understand this, but I only give the match a 5 out of 10. I need uh, I need Daniel Garcia, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz to um, tell Tony Khan why they don't love the business. <laughs> and then I want a 250-word essay as to why you don't love the business. That being said, big bonus check for Daddy Magic, Matt Menard tonight. Daddy Magic, ooh. Daddy Magic loved the business for two people. <laughs> Uh, by the end of it, King loved the business. Sure did. For two people. Yeah, I would say... So even then, it's still a 7 out of 10. And I'm not giving Menard's points to Jericho or mm. Hager. I see. I will give them to Santana and Ortiz. It's like extra credit. Then. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, for me, the final three matches, as an entirety, like... Counting that as one whole segment. Yeah. Watch Anarchy. Watch through. There's a couple of talky segments. Um, Kept pretty brief. I mean, we get, we're introduced to Andrade's new business associate, which is Roosh. We are also introduced to Scorpio Sky's next TNT championship contender this Wednesday on Dinomite. Uh, with uh, Dante. Dante Martin yep. leading into the triple threat tag and then immediately steamrolling into the main event. They made up a lot of ground from the time Game 7 ended to the end of the show. We were I know a lot of us collectively were looking at our watches saying, we're going to be here till the start of Raw. <laughs> but... Uh, they really found a way to make those last three matches reignite something in the crowd and the viewers at home to get us through the remainder of the four-plus-hour event. Yeah, the last three matches all had a different intensity from anything else on the, on the night up to that point, where I think all the previous matches... We're good with like continuing the storytelling or wrapping up some of the storytelling that have been done on TV. Um, but as far as like actual animosity, hatred, all the things you want to see in your traditional pro wrestling event, that was like the last three matches. Um, not so much in the, the the triangle or the triple threat tag team match, but. The action was like nonstop in that, right? Um, and that was that was fire, and still some storytelling going on there with Christian Cage. 
uh, as I think uh, a lot of people were expecting him to turn heel. Hot take here. Uh, I think he's actually going to try to push Luchasaurus out of the group. Uh, and they're going to go with, like, uh, <laughs> Gloryhound Christian Cage. Uh, just trying to team up with, uh, with uh, I guess, his new son. Right, his new, uh, new Christian. Our jungle boy, Jack Perry. Uh, yeah, I would co-sign with Tim. I think you can start the Anarchy in the Arena match and put the remote down uh, until the show's over. It was a tremendous, I don't know, 80 or 90 minutes or so. Um, fantastic action. Super high-quality stuff. Again, shout-out Daddy Magic Matt Menard with a solid 6.5 on the Eddie scale. I mean, this was a this was a healthy gusher. Uh, King got some... Got, uh, I'd say he, he, he hit a 6, I'd say. King got some real good uh, color in that. That match was absolute chaos, a lot of fun. I will say my other hot take that I have for the evening... Uh, the Anarchy in the Arena match is what Blood and Guts was supposed to be. Right. Uh, some some feeling of a unique staple match for AEW uh, with a, like a good amount of bloodshed and a hatred and animosity, but was also unique. And I don't know if Blood and Guts is ever going to come back for AEW or what, but... I don't know if you could ever do another Anarchy in the Arena match. This one was, like, I wouldn't say it's a five-star match necessarily, but I don't know how it could have been any better. Right. It lived up to the billing 100%. The only thing that I can think of that could possibly take away from what the last three matches were was just the crowd fatigue. The crowd was up for Anarchy in the Arena. And they were up for the tag team match. And they tried their best through the main event. I feel as though if you maybe shaved a couple of minutes here or there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wise man once told us to take three minutes off every <laughs> match. Uh, yeah. Just as a baseline. Um, I think if you do that, maybe there's a little more energy in the crowd for the main event. But that doesn't detract from what they actually gave. Uh, Marcus, what I know, I just like took three matches and yeah. and and called them all must watch. So rules are out the window. There's anarchy in the podcast. You go ahead and what's must watch for you? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give some love to the House of Black versus the Death Triangle match, which was a match I had originally in my head penciled in as a skip. Um. But I would say it won me over. And the action that was insane. And we got a nice bit of uh, storytelling to cap off the storyline with Julia Hart. I thought that was good. Uh, I appreciate like the new look she's going for. And House of Black uh, decked out in all sorts of different face paint. That was really cool as well. And um, yeah, just a lot of good action in that. If you like kind of like the... Uh, the, the head dives, land on your head, lots of knees and strikes and elbows, but also, like, everything was tight. Like, there was no whiffs in that match. Everything was solid. Just real, real good work by everybody involved. So, I'd say go out of your way and check out that six-man. That was pretty dope. Six-man was absolutely solid. Uh, kudos to 
all of the the parties involved. Uh, these these guys know nothing but to put bangers on um, on the regular. So uh, great work on that. I'm gonna do another must watch. Okay. And it's probably the must watch moment of the entire event, and that is Wardlow exercising his demons. Mm. And sending MJF off on a backboard. Send him off to the sun. Uh, you know, there's a lot of... Some some would say that Double or Nothing could have been mired in a little bit of con- controversy. Mm. Um, whether it is real or imaginative. Uh, for the purposes of everything we've seen... With the MJF missing meeting group meet and greet, and then the the infamous plane ride or flight, the plane f- the flight booked, mm-hmm. um, getting to the main event, and then of course the injury uh, to MJF from the match. Uh, there was there was thoughts that this match was not going to happen. Um, AEW pulled the preview for the match from their YouTube channel only to re-add it, which is typical. Uh, That's a little bit of a YouTube algorithm manipulation tactic to get eyes on something. Mm, Again, you make it look like it's a fresh post and it pops in people's faces. Um, But in either event, uh, the right thing happened. Mm -hmm. Wardlow went up decisively uh 10 power bombs for 10 lashes uh and mjf or not mjf but wardlow receives his all elite graphic that's right um so very much um very much excited to see what happens with uh wardlow in the weeks and months to come I don't know if it's uh, life imitating life. <laughs> um, this feels eerily similar to. Make sure I get my years right here. I believe it's 2011, uh, where CM Punk is is riding hot, is the champ, and there's this upstart juggernaut of a powerhouse babyface running roughshod through the mid-card division. Uh, And of course, that's Punk running into the Ryback. Now, the Ryback, by most accounts, seems to be a deportable person. Uh, And if we were on our other podcast, we would definitely probably put him in the bad place. But that Mm -hmm. being said, uh, at the time, Ryback was hot, man. Uh, And that's because at our core as a people no matter how good you think you are no matter how exquisite no matter how elite you think your appetite might be everybody loves mcdonald's man everybody everybody loves a good power man everybody loves a good look at jacked out dude who just mows through people and i was a little slow I was a little slow on the Wardlow train. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was a bit manufactured, a little bit forced. Um, but they got something there. And if they don't get too cute, if they don't try to outthink the room, 
Uh, if they don't try to bring him back down just to bring him back up, just let this thing ride hot, man. And if Wardlow's got the hot hand, let him run with it. And uh, I don't think you should halt the brakes on him just because you like to do eight or nine month long title runs for people. Uh, if he's hot and you've run out of people for him to go through in the, the mid card and upper mid card, I would not be surprised if by all out we were looking at Wardlow versus CM Punk. It's highly believable. Um, at the rate that things are going, I can I can absolutely see that. Yeah. But that's uh, the prognostications are for another podcast. Uh, the if you know what that means, podcast here on the North South Connection. So. Um, is there anything else that you would say is must watch from this event? I I can't give it to uh, the entirety of the match, but man, at least for me on a personal level, absolutely go out of your way and catch the finish of uh, Jay Cargill and Anna Jay because things are taking place. I know, I'm going to beat Marcus to the punch here. Uh, the fallen goddess Athena nice. is all elite. Um, I know you were really excited for that, and oh, not, not quite. I mean, good for her, great for her. Uh huh. Um, what else happened? My main man, <laughs> uh, Stokely Hathaway. Ah, <gasps> stupid. Oh, almost forgot. I forgot the fourth horseman. I almost forgot the fourth horseman. Uh, so Smart Mark Sterling takes another brain buster from Johnny Hungy on the outside. And out comes Stokely Hathaway. Uh, almost like Harley Race came out at the last second to tell Lex Luger, now, now, to pile drive Barry Windham uh, at Great American Bash 1991. So did Stokely Hathaway with Jay Cargill for her to hit the super duper Jade thing. Uh, glam slam. I don't know what to call it's it. It's called a, jaded. It's a glam slam uh, off the second row. Um, and very quickly we transitioned into uh, the baddies and Jade with Stokely Hathaway versus Statlander, Anna J, and uh, Athena, the newly all elite Athena. Uh, of course, if you are not familiar with Athena on the independence, that would be Ember Moon from NXT and WWE. But uh, very happy uh, for Stokely Hathaway. I think he has potential to be a top five manager all time. He's highly entertaining. And uh, I'm really excited that he's going to be able to do his thing on AEW. There's no one better at what they do. I would say Stokely Hathaway is as good at what he does as any wrestler or tag team on the AEW roster. Yep. Uh, That's not hyperbole. That's not us just being homers. It just so happens that a homie is just that good. Yep. And so we uh, we salute Stoke for doing his thing and uh, getting back on TV. They're securing that bag, baby. That's right. Zaxby's for everybody. <laughs> so um, I'm going to jump into some skips. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hit some skips here. And you can call it Bootgate. You can call it whatever else you want to call it. But the Hardys and the Young Bucks is a must-skip for me. Um, for whatever reason, uh, 
not all the pieces of the puzzle came in the box when we bought it from the toy store. Mm. Uh, we were missing like some middle pieces, so we never got the full picture. And I feel it detracted a great deal from the match because at least I was focused on what pieces I was missing mm. and not the rest of it. Um, kudos to them for trying and trying to make a full picture from what was provided but for me it was sad to see and for your sake as fans I would just say it is safe to skip Elite versus Delete yeah um, I will follow that up with you and I will say you could go ahead and you could skip both of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament finals. Without question. Uh, solid contest. I feel like if they were on a super duper edition of Dynamite, they would breathe a bit better on such a uh, loaded card. Not that they didn't stand out, but on a night where you're crowning uh, CM Punk as a new champion and uh, you've got some couple new debuts going on and you have the anarchy and the arena match and you have wardlow like you know that's like four or five things that just rattled off before getting to the own heart finals so uh i would say you could just go ahead and and give those a skip not bad neither neither were bad matches in my opinion but uh i just just don't fall underneath the format of must watch i'm also going to give a must skip to the american top team versus Frank Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti match. Um, while Ty looked amazing as Maleficent, um, to me, that match did really no one any favor whatsoever. Mm. Um, this newly acquired swagger from Sammy and Ty... I feel detracted from the match more so than it helped mm -hmm. tell a story. Yeah. Um, and for all intents and purposes, I hope that this is Paige Van Zant's only foray into wrestling. Uh, a nice attraction for Las Vegas. Um... I know that there's a bit of uncomfortability with your first match and whatnot, but also um, did not feel like she didn't look like she felt natural and confident. I think she showed she showed one glimpse of confidence in the entirety of the match, and that's when she did something that she normally does, mm -hmm. where she punched Sammy Guevara in the stomach. Yeah. She socked him real good. Everything else is miss. Right. Live TV is a heck of a place to learn something. And right. it's and tough to do. Um, you know, one of the toughest art or athletic forms that there is. So, um, And that match was just weird. It had too many stories going on between, like, Paige's debut, the stealing of the titles, 
Sammy and Ty being newly turned heel by the fans. And then, like, Kazarian trying to work with Sammy and Ty. Right. Only for them to do their own thing, for him to then turn on them, but then to come back into the match and be the person who actually right. eats the pinfall. Right. Like, plus the history with him and Scorpio Sky being the inaugural AEW Tag Team Champions. Yep, with plus SCU. Plus, you got Ethan Page wanting to get his hands on Sammy Guevara finally. Right. Like, that is a lot going on. For a match that did not get put actively on the card until two days ago. For on Friday. So, across the board, not a a fan. The remainder of the card is, I would say, solid. Um, Not not must... It's kind of that, uh, that little not too hot, not too cold... Um, the Thunder Rosa Deeb match was was solid. I wouldn't say it was it was great. It's not must watch, but I don't think it's must skip either. So at your own discretion. Same goes with Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen. Uh, definitely a at your discretion type match. Very, it's a it is a high quality match for a match that had little to no stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of of the undisputed elite putting out sting but it's kyle o'reilly that's the one that that darby's going after is a bit uh is a bit interesting but they had fantastic chemistry yeah and they did the thing this is a rare case where i would like want to see a rematch fairly soon which aw does a great job of not immediately going to the rematches um but yeah if this one um, doesn't even have to get more time, but just just to see like them pick up the story in the ring would be really awesome. Like this was good, but uh, just again the format, I wouldn't say like you have to go ahead and watch this. Like it doesn't have any um, uh, stakes, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an awesome Styles clash. Darby stays true to his daredevil, high flying style, and he's like straight ahead and he's aggressive. And uh, Kyle O'Reilly looks like a killer man. Like, he is di- he is dishing out so much punishment, and it plays right into Darby Allen's human pincushion. Yeah, just yeah. This was be- this was like a really really excellent um, blending of styles and, and clash of styles. Right. So cannot complain there. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or take away from? Uh, the double or nothing card because I think we pretty much covered everything. Like yeah, we did. Um... Nothing extra for me. Um, yeah, no. Um, I, I just... I guess I'm glad this one... The card had a little bit more focused because on TV we've had a lot of like the Ring of Honor Women's Championship and the tag team titles and some of the pure title. Uh, so it was nice to kind of see this be a little bit more narrow focused on actual AEW. Right. Um, There's some notable omissions... From the card Without proper, yeah. But also, you can't feature everyone all the time. That's the problem with the, and I'm going to use this phrase gently, but the bloated roster of AEW. Mm-hmm. There's so many people on roster, you cannot put them all on the show, unless you run the risk of going. Four plus hours on pay per view. Yeah, 
Um, the one thing I would take away from the entirety of the show is while the structure of the event ended up working out in the favor of AEW with the stacking of the three the three exciting matches at the end there is a humongous lull period from like after the house of black match until you get to anarchy in the arena mm-hmm. that is there are there are spots of must watch in there like just little drops of must watch but we talked about it the two Owen Hart finals the TBS championship for most part is nothing to really write home about aside from the appearances of Stoke and, and Athena um, the six man with American Top Team uh, that is also just not really um, not really doing it for anybody uh, Kyle and Darby again that's another uh, a matchup that kind of it helps it is a very small speed hump. It, it gave enough energy to get us through towards the back half of the card. Um, it's like a little snack. But uh, for me, I think... I think Tony Khan and the booking team, if there is a booking team, maybe put a little too much stock in the NBA Finals the mentality. Finals, or the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals mentality of not putting anything major on until after the final or after the Eastern Conference Finals was done. Um, I maybe would have addressed that somewhere else, but I get it too. You want to have enough time for, you know, the the quote unquote casual fan and also those who may be covering events. Uh, there may be a crossover of people who would cover the Eastern Conference Final mm-hmm. before covering Double or Nothing, and by extending that out an extra hour between end of game and end of pay per view, it gives those people who double dip a chance to finish their writing on on uh, the Eastern Conference Final and move to Double or Nothing and be able to tell the story of CM Punk winning the AEW Championship. Um, with all that said. It is time to give a, main, a, a MVP of the evening. Uh, there's a couple that stand out. Mm-hmm. Notable players. Um, Ricky Starks did so many little things in the six-man... Or in the triple threat tag team match. Um, he probably did the most... You, you're a big fan of the plus-minus system and, and war. With the minutes given... I think that Ricky Starks' plus-minus was larger than anybody else's on the card. When he was in there, he was involved. He was making moment after moment after moment. Everything with him on the screen count. You couldn't look away. You could not look away. Um, Also, MVP, I would give a collective to that six-man tag with the House of Black and... Um, death the Death Triangle. I know it's kind of I'm breaking the mold and, and going, you know, six people as an MVP. But that match, that match really did a good job of, of giving a, a little bit of an extra boost in the front half of the card to kind of 
set a, a, a peak that allowed for that middle part of the card, if it's designed to do so, to kind of sink in a little bit because it was just so high. Mm. Um, and then also, too, you cannot take away from the bookends of the show. Wardlow in the beginning of the show, and then CM Punk or Hangman in the end of the show. I've kind of named a lot. Who who do you have as your MVP of uh, Double or Nothing 2022? Uh, I'll start with my runner-up. You said it. Ricky Hobbs. Uh, who? Uh, no, Ricky Hobbs. Uh, Hobbs and Starks uh, would be my co-MVPs. Um, I thought they, they brought a lot to the tag team match. Starks. Uh, couldn't look away. Could not look away. Uh, yeah, he, he was just must-watch all night. Hobbs, I thought. Just dominated anytime he was in there. Uh, business picked up, as Jim Ross would say. Uh, so they would be my co uh, my co runner ups. But my MVP, I'm actually going to go ahead and give the nod to uh, the hung man Adam Page. I thought, uh, much like Kenny Omega did when Page won the title, I thought uh, Hangman Page really went out there and put on a beautiful match and passed on the title um i want to say with um honor i guess you don't want to use Uh, the phrase the right way right but definitely in in the world of wrestling and with champions i know we've seen it in the past of boo-boo face right you want to especially like a, a title and i feel like the aw champions do this well um it feels like they're always leaving the title better off than when they found it. And that's like kind of insane to think about because the list and the runs of the AEW champions so far have been really, really good. I mean, it went Jericho to Moxley, Moxley to Omega, Omega to Page, Page to Punk. Right. So definitely good. It's going to be interesting to see one how the story of CM Punk as AEW champion is written, and two, how long the book is. Mm. Um, Hangman Adam Page is the second shortest reign of AEW champion. I think Moxley is the only other shortest champion. Um, Okay, of course, Omega is, is first with almost holding it for a full calendar year. Um... But in any event, I'm going to give my MVP to... Um, I'm going to give it to Wardlow. Mm. The amount of of emotion that Wardlow cranked up tonight was, um, was inspiring. Uh, this is the, the superstar-making moment for Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not to say that he did not have it before, but if you want to point to who is going to be the breakout superstar beyond the first crop of AEW originals who who glass ceilinged, you know, with you've you've got your first four pillars. You know, people want to talk. Right. People want to a lot in AEW talk. There's the the talk of the four AEW pillars with MJF, Darby, Sammy, and Jungle Boy. 
And then, of course, Punk made the joke about Britt Baker being in there instead of MJF. But the question that some people had was, okay, the first four, who are the pillars after them? Because they're only going to be able to carry the load for so long. I mean, if you look now, storyline-wise, MJF is injured out. Darby is kind of stuck in this rinse-repeat cycle with Sting. The rose has fallen off of the stem with Sammy Guevara. And the only person who's kind of still staying on course right now is the Jungle Boy. So that next crop of AEW Pillar... AEW original stalwart has to come out. And I think we saw three of them tonight in Wardlow, Starks, and Hobbs, our MVPs. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we don't have four pillars, but maybe we run a little triangle offense on on it for uh, the second round. Um, but of course, we always want to know what you guys have to say as well. Um, at TNM shows on Twitter, uh, it's where you can catch Marcus and I doing all of our podcasting stylings, including this, um, our other podcast, Final Wrestling Place, um, and then Marcus and JT here on the North South Connection for WWE War. Uh, so much fun! So glad to to have you guys join us. At a late night, early morning after uh, AEW Double or Nothing. We are turning the clock around really quickly. We are back for Hell in a Cell uh, for the WWE. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to cover uh, NXT in your house. In your face. Um, We have prior engagements uh, for us to not be able to cover that. But NXT needs to tell us more than a week in advance that you're doing a premium live event on the network so we can book this stuff in advance. But either way, um, who are we to demand anything of Nick Khan and Vince McMahon or anything of the sort? Careful, they'll give us the axe and don't even work there. I know, right? We'll have to have the litigation team. They're going to send us to the Jenny position. That's what's going to happen. We're going to get out of here and be working working the streets and keeping Jenny out of trouble. So um, follow us on social media, at TNM Shows. Not the tool man for me. The wrestling speakeasy for Marcus, if you know, you know. We'll be back here for Hell in a Cell and then Forbidden Door and then so much other stuff. It's going to be a jam-packed, red-hot wrestling summer. Um, but remember... As always, the choice is yours.